Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie is the place that you want to bet to get in on all of the college basketball and NBA action. Use the promo code SGP to receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets. That's the promo code SGP to play, win, and get paid at MyBookie.ag. We're also brought to you in part by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sports book. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Three Dog Thursday also brought to you in part by Roman. If you're struggling with ED, you don't want to wait for treatment. Get effective ED prescriptions without having to visit a doctor. Go to GetRoman.com slash SGP for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash SGP. And we're also brought to you in part by Monkey Knife Fight. Monkey Knife Fight is the fastest growing daily fantasy site on the planet. And if you use the promo code SGP, you get a 100% deposit up to $100. That's monkeyknifefight.com, promo code SGP. Football fans. It's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Yes, indeed. Great to be with you one final time in the month of February. Oh, that calendar is about to flip, even with Leap Day on Saturday to March, coming on Sunday, and the best month, the best event in sports. The NCAA tournament is about to be here yet again for 2020, starting the new decade. So we are thrilled, thrilled to get you amped, get you ready for everything that's going to go on with the college hoops one final time in February before March is here as part of the only digital radio show that's devoted exclusively to those underdogs. We love picking the little guy. And O is the little guy, the underdog, the team that nobody thinks has a shot, going to have their way over and over and over again. I often say this whenever we get to March. You're about to have 10 games At least, maybe 15 games this year from championship week to the first two weekends of the NCAA tournament where you're going to go, how did that team win? How did that team pull off that upset as a double-digit underdog, as a 15-point underdog, etc., etc.? It's going to happen over and over again. It's why we love March, and we're here to talk lots about it on the program. Coming up, Brian Edwards will lead the show off from MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider. Love Brian's insight. Uh, He gave you an underdog last week in North Florida. Had a couple of other underdogs he warned you off about on the weekend as well. Brian's going to delve into a couple of interesting ones, including a Pac-12 doggy for Thursday night, some Ivy League conversation, some SEC conversation, 
Anxious to talk with Brian Edwards in a little bit. Then we've got a Hall of Famer on the podcast. Lots of college basketball. Who better to help me break it down than Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News, Hall of Fame writer with the United States Basketball Writers Association. Love his insight on all things. Mike works with the Big Ten Network on uh, on their coverage pregame and postgame on the weekends in particular. Writes it up for the Sporting News. He has covered 33-0 Final Fours. Uh, the man has got great depth of knowledge about the college game. I look forward to talking to him on several different subjects, including all the upsets last weekend where Baylor, San Diego State, and Gonzaga all went down to defeat in upsets. How much did it cost either San Diego State or Baylor in the upcoming bracket? In fact, Mike's doing some bracketing right now for Fox Sports. You read him online and on social media projecting the field and doing bracketology for Fox Sports' college basketball coverage. So I'm anxious to talk to the Hall of Famer in the middle segment. I also want to find out from him just how many TVs does he have? How many games is he watching at one time right now midweek when we got 10 games on, 12 games, 15 games? to pay attention to it's a bunch it's a blur so Mike DeCourcy will be here in the middle of the show look forward to talking with him and then we'll wrap things up with Colby Dant from the Sports Gambling Podcast Network our friends with the Sports Gambling Podcast Network doing a great job helping us co-promote the show uh, publicize us through their website, uh, through their feed of shows. Colby's show is part of that with the college experience. He focuses specifically on college football and basketball. He is going bananas right now with all of these college hoop games. Uh, so Colby is back on the program. We talked to him a couple of weeks ago. He's got great insight, especially on some of the mid-major conferences. Uh, he's got some interest in the Pac-12, an ACC upset that you're going to want to get a load of, and more for Saturday all part of Three Dog Thursday when Colby Dant joins me later on in the program. All right, so we've got all of that on the plate. Lots of college basketball to discuss. How about Duke going down to defeat in double overtime Tuesday night at the hands of Wake Forest? Who is truly good? I keep saying this. After Baylor took the loss last weekend in Big 12 play, San Diego State may have some vulnerability in the Mountain West after losing to UNLV. Uh, do we know that Kentucky can be a Final Four? Can they be a Final Four team? Uh, you know, there's certain teams like Michigan State that seems to be coming around after their win over Iowa. Who really is good at the end of the year that we could guarantee is going to be in Atlanta at the Final Four? We have a lot to talk about, uh, obviously, with that as we go along. Even a little boxing here. We talked boxing last week, and how about Tyson Fury defeating Deontay Wilder for the WBC heavyweight title, seventh-round TKO Couple of observations. Give Fury credit for the win, but the fight was far from a classic. It was sloppy. Uh, Fury mauling him. The referee, Kenny Bayless, let him maul him, grip him, clutch him, wrestle him. For a lot of the fights, seemed to wear him down. I'm not so sure to this second here on Three Dog Thursday that Deontay Wilder didn't suffer a concussion on his third round knockdown. Looked like Fury caught him in the back of the head and in the ear. Uh, it, clearly, Wilder was not the same fighter after that. Fury deserves credit for the stoppage, but I want to see this one more time. Uh, and I believe the public will want to see it one more time. With Wilder and Fury slated for another rematch, they already con contractually agreed to fight this fight a third time. We're probably going to see it later in the summer. The Bronze Bomber with 41 knockouts uh, to his credit. Let's see if he can avenge his first pro loss against Tyson Fury, or does Fury just have his number like it looked like from the first two meetings here? Looks like we're going to get the fight one more time uh, for Wilder and Fury, but give credit to the Brit. Tyson Fury backed up all the talk 
uh, the weeks and months leading up to this fight and beat Deontay Wilder. Had a good game plan, kept it sloppy, kept it mugging, kept kept scoring as the aggressor, and eventually got the seventh round TKO. Can Wilder avenge it? I mean, we saw fighters in the day. I mean, Ali, the greatest of all time, had to avenge losses to Joe Frazier and Ken Norton and Leon Spinks. Tyson tried to avenge a loss to Evander Holyfield, could not. Lennox Lewis able to avenge losses in his career. He lost twice. He beat both guys, uh, Oliver McCall and Haseem Rahman, by knockout that had beaten him before in rematches. And even Anthony Joshua, off his upset loss last summer, the uh, the unified heavyweight title from Great Britain, uh, the title holder, he avenged that defeat back in December, beat Andy Ruiz by 12-round decision. Can... Deontay Wilder avenge his pro loss, uh, get a rematch, get his revenge later this summer. We're going to find out. So a little boxing talk as well as part of Three Dog Thursday. we got plenty of college basketball straight ahead. Some great guests to join us. Let's get all of that started, especially with some underdog talk and predictions. That is rolling now here as the show gets rolling on Three Dog Thursday. Let's go. He is leading off, and we are ready to impart some more wisdom here on Three Dog Thursday. We were hot. We were hot last week, and it needs to continue uh, here for this week as I welcome Brian Edwards back in from Vegas Insider and MajorWager.com. Uh, we we did come through with several underdogs. You had an Atlantic Sun doggy last Thursday night. Thank you, North Florida Ospreys, for your cover. I got a Thursday night cover in the Pac-12 with Arizona State, Brian, uh, back last Thursday evening with the, the straight-up upset of Oregon, the home win. Uh, then we rolled into Saturday. I had Kansas as the outright uh, winner against Baylor, and I, I also loved BYU at home with Gonzaga, so ended up getting three of those. And you warned us off on a couple of them uh, on, the, on the weekend as well about don't take an underdog here or there. So we were giving out good advice last week. It's good to have you back. It's the final time in February, my friend. Oh, man, March is almost here. In fact, I was just uh, – I noticed it's a leap year. We got a 29th <laughs> in February. We got to wait 24 extra hours, but uh, – we're getting there, man. The bubble banner is getting really serious, and uh, I'm locked in on hoops. Love it. Yeah, we, we definitely are, and we got some games going on in the midweek, and we get ready for Thursday and the action on Thursday, and I always uh, predicate these conversations with Brian, which is we have the lines now for Thursday at the time that we're taping, so we're going to go over those, but when you hear us talking about Saturday specifically, it's educated guesses on what we think. And we've actually been pretty good. Brian's actually really been good on giving you lines and giving you spreads in advance, a couple of days in advance. I'm going to lean on him for that. By the way, Brian's going to talk a little Ivy League, thank you very much, uh, here in a couple of moments where they're playing back-to-back nights. They do this a lot late in the year in the Ivy League. They're playing Friday night and Saturday night. He's got some very interesting stats on that in a couple of minutes. So before we get into the games... Uh, for Thursday, couple of couple of topics. First of all, let me hit you with this: What, in the name of Bobby Hurley, Christian Leitner, Grant Hill, and all the great Duke teams, was that on Tuesday night where they were up nine with a minute twenty left at Wake Forest, and then found a way, Brian Edwards, to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, as I like to say. They had that game won, and they let an eleven-win Wake Forest team come back on them and beat them in double overtime. Uh, do you? Uh, how much? Uh, how much should we be concerned about Duke uh, losing late in the year like that in that manner? Well, first off, it was a 
bunch of knucklehead plays. I mean, when you're up six or seven in the final minute, the last thing you do is foul. I mean, they had one guy going to the bucket, and he fouled him. He got an and one, and, and you know, there you go. There's, you, you went to overtime. That's your one point right there. Um, I think I heard on SportsCenter late last night that that was, and I know it went overtime. Or it went, did it go to? I think it went double, overtime. double um, overtime, correct. Yeah, yeah. So there's that, but still, it was the tied for the most points ever allowed by Krzyzewski, and he's been there like 40 years. So <laughs> um, defensively, yeah, you do. You got to be concerned. I think they they're a terrific offensive team, but um, you know you got to get stops. And this is one of the worst Duke defensive teams we've seen in a long time. And if Virginia holds on and wins tonight, uh, like you prefaced Wednesday, um, it'll be eight of nine. They've won in a row, and Duke's got to go to Charlottesville on Saturday, which I've written down as a pick'em. But if, if UVA holds on, you know, they may be favored by a bucket or so. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, yeah, it's pretty much a toss-up game. One, one team would be favored by one or two or, or a pick em. And that's an interesting game for the defending national champs who are now looking good uh, to be back in the NCAA tournament when that was not the case maybe uh, three weeks ago, let's say, but they've won some significant games. And, and as I mentioned uh, already here, Mike DeCourcy will be with me in the next segment uh, from the Sporting News, does a fantastic job, uh, Hall of Fame college basketball writer. I'll talk to him a little more about Duke and what's going on with their struggles, but I wanted Brian's opinion. All right, so let me follow that with this before we get to the games. A year ago, Duke had Zion Williamson. They were the prohibitive favorite to win the whole thing. Obviously, he got injured late in the year. They almost got beat, uh, shoulda, coulda, woulda, in, in the uh, in the Sweet 16 game um, or the round of 32 game, whichever it was, by UCF. They did eventually lose the Elite Eight game to Michigan State. But we had a team that everybody was gunning for. In some years, it's Kentucky that everybody is gunning for as, as the prohibitive number one ranked team. We really don't have that this year. So is that better in your mind, Brian, that we don't have a team that everybody is pointing to and saying that team should be in the Final Four, if not your national champion, whoever it is? I think it's better. I mean, I, I like it. I mean, I think usually about this time of year, we can usually say, okay, there are six, maybe seven, eight tops of teams that are capable of making a six-game run and cut the nets down on a Monday night in early April. Man, this year, I mean, you, how do you narrow it to less than 12? I don't know if you can. <laughs> I mean, probably like 15 teams that, I mean, they all have warts, but, I mean, compared to everybody else, I mean, a lot of teams look, and, and you mentioned Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky's playing well right now. I, I'm not going to be surprised if Kentucky wins at all. In fact, I'm I got an interview with a guy with the Las Vegas Review Journal about some teams with futures, and I'm going to talk about Kentucky at twenty to one uh, here in a little bit. Wow! I like how they're playing, and yeah, I mean, there's there's at least a dozen, probably more teams that are capable of a six-game run, I think, this year. Well, and Kentucky road-tested several different times now recently, winning that game at LSU, won the other night against Texas A&M on the road. I mean, say what you will about uh, the strength of the SEC, but you're still going and proving yourself away from Rupp Arena. So 
Uh, fascinating to watch all of that unfold. And, you know, you, look, you can make the argument that Baylor's been so good all year long and Kansas has now hit their stride and beat them head-to-head last week. And they always seem like Kansas, that they're going to be there at the end of things along with Kentucky. And Michigan State playing better. Impressive win at home against Iowa. Izzo's team was in the Final Four last year with Cassius Winston. So it always seems like a lot of the usual suspects, but it just doesn't seem like a dominant team. Uh, per se. So uh, in any event, we'll we'll see how those games go. All right, so let's turn to Thursday. Where the lines are out. We're interested for Three Dog Thursday purposes in, in a couple of different games. I'm curious where you want to begin. Do you have one that you like for Thursday for an underdog for us in college basketball, Brian Edwards? Yeah, let's go. Arizona State, they're plus three and a half at, at, in Westwood at Pauley Pavilion. Now, UCLA is all of a sudden hot and, and in the mix after just a horrible non-conference uh, and seemingly Mick Cronin in over his head. But he's got those guys playing a lot better, albeit, you know, kind of like you said with the SEC, you know, say what you want about the Pac-12. But UCLA's in the hunt to win the regular season title, and they're favored by three and a half against ASU. But I like the Sun Devils here. Uh, they bring a seven-game winning streak into this one, and more impressive for three-dog uh, purposes, in their last nine as an underdog, Arizona State is 8-1 and one against the spread with seven outright victories. Uh, I know this gives UCLA the revenge angle, but I'll mention it nonetheless because it was such a blowout. ASU smashed UCLA 84-66 to uh, in Tempe. Uh, earlier in the year. So I like Arizona State plus three and a half. I think they'll keep it going and win outright, but we got a three and a half point cushion if not. How about that? And Mick Cronin's team really uh, it turned it on, played great in the second half against Colorado the other night. So they may be coming together a little bit here. I, you know, it's, this is, it's always easy to revise history. I did not think that was a good fit. I don't know long term that it is a good fit, but you got to give credit where it's due. Uh, that they've won, what, I think four or five in a row here and are in position, in position playing the two Arizona teams, that if they win out, they're going to be at least co-champions in the regular season in the Pac-12. So they've put themselves in that position to make it happen. Now they got to beat the two Arizona teams at home uh, on Thursday and Saturday to stay in that position, but let's let's see what happens in that one. I'm going to back up a notch to earlier in the evening on Thursday. I like a Conference USA game. By the way, are you familiar with Conference USA jumbling up the end of their regular season schedule where the good teams play the good teams and the middle teams play the middle teams and the bad teams play the bad teams? Are you aware of what they've done with the pods in that conference, by the way, Brian? I was not. I was not. So not this is this is something that they have done uh, last year and now this year. This is the second time they've done it. So what it means is the top four teams in the conference are now going to only play each other in the final three regular season games. And part of that is to help with strength of schedule, not so much help with the strength of schedule, but to not hurt yourself badly just by the opponent that you're playing if you're playing one of the dregs, one of the bottom teams. So what that means is we get another matchup with Louisiana Tech 
and Western Kentucky, two of the top teams in CUSA. North Texas right now is leading the conference, so they're kind of in a pod together. North Texas, Louisiana Tech, Western Kentucky, and Florida International are going to round-robin play each other at the end, so they've held off the final three games of the season for all these teams, and then they've suddenly told them, okay, you're playing here, you're playing there, You know, these are the teams you're playing at the very end of the year. So interesting that Louisiana Tech uh, and and Western Kentucky would not have regularly been scheduled to meet again, but they are meeting again on Thursday night. Louisiana Tech on the road in Bowling Green, Kentucky for this matchup. And Western Kentucky only a one or a one and a half point favorite where you're looking. Uh, WKU did win the first matchup earlier this year. However, uh, Louisiana Tech has won the last three, including beating the top team, North Texas, at North Texas on the weekend, 73-71. I think it's a revenge angle uh, for the Bulldogs of La Tech. I think this will be a very competitive game. Uh, Western Kentucky, by the way, lost their last time out in their last game this past weekend. Uh, that one to Charlotte at home. I'll take Louisiana Tech to revenge upset Western Kentucky on the road Thursday night, uh, getting the point, the point and a half, whatever it is they're getting late in the year while they jockey for position in CUSA. So now that I explained all that, what do you think of that idea that some of these mid-major conferences are kind of looking at their strength of schedule and saying, hey, let's rework our end-of-the-year schedule where the best play the best and don't have to worry about playing lesser teams that can hurt their schedule? Uh, I think it's a, a stroke of genius. Now, it doesn't apply this year, but there will be years in the future where a La Tech, especially Western, and Western Kentucky might have been in that position this year if they hadn't lost Charles Batsy, uh, the first team preseason All-American. They lost him to a season-ending injury in December. Um, I think it's great because, you know, when you have a team that's in that large bid, like let's say in the SOCON, like probably East, East Tennessee State is probably going to get in that large if they don't win the conference tournament let's say La Tech or Western Kentucky is like that one year, they can lose in the conference tournament and, you know, they're still, yeah, yeah, it keeps their strength of schedule good uh, and helps, yeah, helps in every way. I don't, it doesn't apply. They're not going to get a second bid this Correct. year. Correct. But uh, it, there will be a year like that in the future where that happens, especially the way my man Stansberry cheats at Western Kentucky. <laughs> the way he gets some hosses and five stars in there to Western Kentucky, uh, They'll have a year like that soon. Oh, all right. And so, again, that's a very interesting scenario. I was just looking also while you're talking here for the end of the uh, of the uh, of the conference slate. They're going to play um, again, uh, kind of a round robin because North Texas is playing Florida International on Thursday night. North Texas leads the league at twelve and two, but again, Louisiana Tech beat them last Saturday in Denton uh, for only their second conference loss of the year. And then I'm looking here uh, for the updated schedule at the very end, which they've jumbled back up. Um, that means that uh, here in this final pod that uh, Louisiana Tech will play at Western Kentucky, then they'll host Florida International, and then they'll play Charlotte, one of the other teams that's in the top echelon uh, at home. In Western Kentucky's case, they have this game on Thursday night with Louisiana Tech, and they still finish up at North Texas and at Florida International. And Florida International also beat Western Kentucky back about two weeks ago. So these are three tough games. That's the deal here at the end for Conference USA to get ready for the conference tournament and to help your strength the schedule and build it up. Like you mentioned, Brian Edwards, none of these teams are really an at-large hope. 
uh, in Conference USA. Uh, upcoming here, I believe the highest ranked team, North Texas, is only like 90. Let me double check. In the uh, in the net rankings, the conference as a whole is 15th in the net rankings as a conference. North Texas is 92 in the net. La Tech is 91 in the net. And Western Kentucky, 126 in the net. So it's clearly whoever wins that championship game um, is going to be the team in the NCAA tournament. But it's just interesting. The best are playing the best at the end of the year one more time by uh, a new amended schedule at the end of the Conference USA schedule. All right, so with all of that out of the way, spending a lot of time on that league, let's move to the Ivy League. We're we're broadening things here on Three Dog Thursday, and Brian Edwards, MajorWager.com, says, hey, I have got some tidbits for the Friday night and the Saturday night games. They're playing back-to-back nights in the Ivy League late in the year. What about it here, sir? Well, Yale has been cashing a lot of overs. The overs on a 9-1 and one run for Yale. On the flip side of that, Princeton has been cashing unders galore, 9-2 and two, uh, to the under. Uh, it's last 11. Now, Princeton is at Yale Saturday night, and when they played at Princeton a couple of weeks ago, uh, Yale won 88-64, to 64, so they win by 24 on the road. So that makes me think they could possibly be a double-digit favorite Saturday night. They may not be there. It may be more like 8-ish. We'll see. But I-, I wanted to point out that Princeton, in their last eight as an underdog, 7-1 and one against the spread with five outright wins. So um, And look, Yale is 50 in Ken Palm. Um, they only lost by two at Penn State. Right. Uh, they lost by seven to Oklahoma State. They lost by three at UNC, but they beat Vermont, who is 72, Ken Palm. They won at Clemson by nine. Yale is going to be, a, assuming they get the, uh, the bid uh, out of the Ivy, uh, they're going to be a very, very uh, tough out. Remember the, uh, Mal- Malachi Mason? Right. Uh, Malachi Mason. It, it led them to a win over Baylor about four years ago. Uh, they could have a, a first-round upset again this year. Could be. Watch out for Yale in the Ivy League again. They play Penn on Friday night, and then will play Princeton on Saturday night. And and again, what to watch out for for the number in particular on, on the Saturday night game in particular? Well, I would say if Princeton's catching 10 or more, I would like Princeton. All right, so pay attention. And again, Princeton has to play a game at Brown Friday night before they play Yale. Yale 60 in the net ranking, too. So you're right. I mean, if Yale ends up winning the Ivy League, they're probably going to be like a 12 seed, be in that 12 5 yeah. game and probably playing a mid range Power Six conference team. You know, get in there with somebody like Marquette. Uh, I don't know, somebody like Oklahoma, I'm just naming teams, uh, you know, Michigan, somebody like, watch out, right, for Yale, watch out if they're in at the 12 spot. No doubt, no doubt. They're, they are legit, and they, you know, they, they played a, a tough non-con, and um, yeah, I, I think they, I mean, they, they, well, they showed it. I mean, they, they beat Clemson, they lose by three at North Carolina, they uh, lose by two at Penn State, look, Penn State has just been terrific all year. And, um, yeah, I, I watch out for Yale. But, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they made this week 16. All right, so there you go. It's a little bit of Ivy League. Let's get to Saturday. Again, with the understanding that we do not have the lines for Saturday here on Three Dog Thursday, but Brian's got some good stuff. I like the Big East matchup with Providence and Villanova. Villanova did win midweek with St. John's, 
However, I got a stat for you, my friend. The uh, the uh, lack of a cover again on Wednesday night for the Wildcats is the fourth straight time at home that they have not covered Villanova, and they have two losses in that stretch as well to Seton Hall and to Creighton. Out of the out of the last four home games, they're zero and four against the spread as a favorite, and they've lost two of the games. We believe Providence, who's not playing midweek, is going to be at least like a five-point underdog. What, what do you have, uh, Brian, for that early game Saturday, Providence at Villanova? Well, I wrote down 6-7 earlier today, but with Nova, again, a non-cover uh, tonight, I'm, you know, I'm thinking probably five and a half, six. Uh, and look, Providence, Six three and one against the spread with five outright wins in its last ten as an underdog. Ed Cooley's got those guys playing well, and uh, they're they're a danger to go in there and win outright. And you know they're one of those bubble teams that's you know dire need for a victory. And, and look, if they can feel that one, they're looking good because they've got Xavier and DePaul at home. Uh, to finish regular season. Yeah, they they have a crazy resume because Providence, I believe, has seven wins in the in the Nets quadrant one, which should say that you're really good. But they lost earlier in the year to Northwestern, who's awful. They lost to Penn in the Ivy League. They have a loss to Long Beach State on the neutral floor in Anaheim back in in uh, late November. And Long Beach State is like two fifteen in the in the net, horrific, with only like eight or and nine wins. Oh, and, and and yet you turn around and they have a win at Marquette. Uh they have a they have a win at Butler. Providence we're talking about. They have a win over Seton Hall. They have a sweep of Marquette because they beat them last weekend. So go figure on Ed Cooley's team, but they're playing much better basketball right now in Big East play where they have won five of the last seven, three straight. Let's see what they can do at Villanova. And I, I like Providence in this underdog situation. Give me the points. Give me as many points as possible, whether it's five, six, seven, whatever it is. Again, Wednesday night, Villanova was 12 and a half and ended up winning by 11. Uh, so did not cover and have not covered in their last four. You're interested in Kentucky and Auburn rematch game that Auburn narrowly won a couple of weeks ago on the Plains. Uh, this one at Rupp, 345 Eastern Time on Saturday. For Three Dog Thursday purposes, we believe Kentucky will be favored by how much? What do you think, Brian Edwards? Uh, I wrote down six. You know, Auburn got Okoro back after he'd missed a couple of games last night, and they uh, either pushed or narrowly covered against Ole Miss. But Ole Miss was in that game the whole way. They were only down five with like 40, 40 or 50 seconds left. But, um, look, Auburn has – Struggled on the road. I mean, they lose at Missouri by double digits. They lose at Georgia by double digits. They come home. They righted the ship with wins over Tennessee and Ole Miss, but not not two of the upper teams in the SEC. And then you go back. They they won an overtime at Arkansas when Isaiah Joe was out. And by the way, I right. Isaiah Joe has returned for the Razorbacks. Uh, they won. They had to go double OT to win by one at Ole Miss. So I know that wasn't the cover either. They lost at Florida by 22. They lost at Alabama by 19. So um, they've struggled on the road. So maybe Kentucky would be even more than six. Uh, but I, I, I'm thinking more six, six and a half. And I will tell you one thing about covers with Kentucky. They are a, an extremely good free throw shooting team. Even the big guy, Nick Richards. You ready for the stat? Six. 
You ready for the stat? They're number five in the country out of 350 teams. Kentucky is fifth in the nation in three-point percentage. What What in the name of Adolph Rupp? Because usually they are bad free-throw shooting team. They're outstanding, yeah. to your point, my friend. And, you know, Florida was only down two uh, with 14 seconds left and fouled the other day. And because Hagen's status was uncertain, you know, most books had it at four and a half or five. And they made four straight free throws in the last 14 seconds to secure the cover. And that's not the first time they've done that. So when you're back in Kentucky, you, you got to like that. If you get the foul fest late, they've been extremely clutch at the line. They have been. Again, they've struggled at home as a favorite. I'm looking at it right here on the numbers that Kentucky is just two and three in their last five home games in the SEC as a favorite. Uh, they did cover against Florida, but they had a couple other ones where they slipped up, including against Vanderbilt, where they were 20-and-a-half-point favorites and didn't come close to covering that. Uh, did not cover against Georgia either, so we'll see what happens. And it's a revenge game uh, for the Wildcats here, too, and that one that one may be interesting. Again, Brian Edwards with us for another moment or two. You have another game Saturday that involves West Virginia, and not per se uh, for underdog status, but uh, but per, perhaps here for the the uh, the total as well. What do you what do you have for uh, West Virginia, Oklahoma Saturday afternoon in Morgantown? Uh, yeah, so if it's one twenty five or more, I like it under. The under has cashed an eight straight for West Virginia to improve to twenty one and seven overall. Un- under twenty one and seven for the Mountaineers this year. And the under's also an 11-5 and five run for Oklahoma. So if we get 125 or more, <clears throat> I like it under. All right, interesting on that. And again, Virginia got the midweek win against Virginia Tech, but it was not easy. They only won by three. They held off with a couple of free throws. So you believe in that Virginia-Duke game that Virginia will likely be, as you said earlier, something like a pick em, a one-point game. I might be interested in Duke to bounce back in that one. If they're getting a point or two, I might like that one for Three Dog Thursday. Again, we won't know that until the lines are out. Uh, on Friday and one more you had an NBA game to alert the audience to we do occasionally uh, bring up the NBA here on Three Dog Thursday and Brian is all over it at MajorWager.com and with Vegas Insider what do you have for an NBA tidbit for Three Dog Thursday purposes Thursday night I like Sacramento plus six and a half at OKC Sacramento three and over straight up and against the spread since the all-star break and in their last 34 games as an underdog, 21-12-1 against the spread with 15 outright victories. So Sacramento tomorrow night. Let me throw one other out at you for Saturday night. We've talked about Cal as a home dog in previous weeks. Uh, They are 5-1 against the spread in their last six as a home dog, and Cal is 6-1 against the spread in their last seven at home. They were short favored against Wazoo. But Utah – is coming uh, to Berkeley on Saturday. And since beating Nevada on the road in its season opener, Utah has lost eight in a row on the road, and this is how much they've lost by in those games. 22, and that was at Coastal Carolina, by the way, 39, mm. 16, 19, mm. 4. They had a, had a close one against USC, then 16, 19, and 18. So they've lost seven of their last eight road games by 16 points or more, and I think they will be favored at Cal on Saturday. Not by much, 
but I think Cal wins that game outright. How about that? All right, so keep an eye. Again, there's some midweek Pac-12 action that we don't have the results on, but Brian is saying keep an eye on Cal as a potential home underdog with a Utah team that has been whacked over and over again on the road. We'll see what happens uh, with that. So lots of underdog conversation here. Tell them more about where they find out your information and everything at uh, uh, with what you do with MajorWager.com, et cetera. Brian Edwards. All right. My Twitter handle is at VegasBEdwards. Uh, you can also uh, follow us on Twitter at MajorWager. It's at MajorWagerUno. UNO, you can uh, get my picks on BrianEdwardsSports.com or VegasInsider.com. And let me throw an injury out at you that will be very key, South Carolina at Alabama, which I wrote down Alabama minus three at Coleman in a big bubble game. Yep. But Petty, they're one of their better players, got injured last night. He's questionable, 15 points per game, 6.6 rebounds. So watch that injury when handicapping South Carolina at Alabama on Saturday. And he is all over it with the injury stuff. So again, follow him at Vegas B. Edwards and also Major Wager Uno because you are constantly tweeting away injury information and updates, game day, night of games, uh, you know, shortly before game time, that kind of stuff to help you with making some of these decisions. Lots of underdog information. Brian Edwards, I always love the insight. Guess what? The next time that we talk to you, it will be March, my friend. I cannot wait. I cannot wait either. March uh, makes me very happy. And uh, thanks for having me. And uh, enjoyed it as always. Be good. We remind you that we are brought to you in part by MyBookie.ag. The Super Bowl may be done, but every game is a big game over at MyBookie.ag. They've got it all from the NBA to college basketball, Premier League soccer, you name it. And they've got the fastest payouts, the best promotions, and helpful 24-7 customer service. You can pool your bets together for a bigger payout as well with MyBookie.ag. They've got more lines, better odds per player than any sports book around and right now if you join up my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to a thousand dollars that means you deposit two thousand you get an extra grand in free money to play with with mybookie.ag all you got to do is use this promo code sgp it activates the offer once again they will match your deposit halfway all the way up to a thousand dollars you deposit 500 they'll put 250 in you deposit a thousand they'll put 500 in use the promo code sgp to get that extra cash when you sign up and you register at mybookie bet win and get paid with mybookie We're also brought to you in part by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sports book. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Man Three Dog Thursday is also brought to you in part by Roman. Now, look, if you were to guess, on average... How many days do you think people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor? What would you say? 
How about the fact that Americans on average in major cities have to wait up to a month, almost 29 to 30 days to get in as a new patient with a doctor? If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want that taken care of now, ASAP. And that's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. So Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Get your phone, get your computer, get a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician in under two days, sometimes as soon as within 24 hours. So the doctor decides what treatment is right for you, and Roman's Pharmacy can ship you your medication free with two-day shipping. You'll get free unlimited follow-ups with the doctor anytime you have questions and you want to adjust your treatment plan. So this is all fantastic, timely stuff with Roman. No commitments. You can cancel this at any time. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash SGP and get a free online visit from us. And you get free two-day shipping on whatever prescriptions you might need. Go to GetRoman.com slash SGP right now. Find out more. Get a free online visit. And any prescriptions, you get free online shipping. Again, it's GetRoman.com slash SGP. Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. Yeah, I know it is about to be March because I bother this man infrequently until we get to the best month of the year, and then I bother him usually a couple of times. He's good enough to return my call, my text message. Uh, He is uh, one of the premier writers of the game of college basketball and really covers uh, all sports, but this is his time of the year as well with college basketball. Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News. Uh, Love his insight. He also uh, projects the bracket in the field for Fox Sports and their coverage as well as working for the Big Ten Network. And I love having you as part of the Three Dog Thursday podcast here to talk some, some college hoops. How have you been? It's about to be March. We're amped up, are we not? It's coming too fast, TJ. Uh, that's the problem. It, you, know, I, you look up and it's like, wait, no, that can't be next week. That's not fair. I need more time to prepare. <laughs> we've, we've allegedly been preparing for weeks, and just like everything else in our lives, oh, it's time. We have to be ready. We have to, we have to go for it. Okay, so we've already brought up a little bit before you've come on the upsets from Saturday that saw Baylor San Diego State and Gonzaga. It was an upset. They were favored on the road at BYU. All beaten, all having their win streak snapped. Obviously, San Diego State unbeaten on the year at 26-0, beaten for the first time. Yet you still have all three of them at the moment in your Fox Sports bracket projection as one seeds. Tell me more about why you haven't dipped anyone uh, down to the two line because of the loss, particularly Gonzaga or San Diego State. Well, I think the first problem is that I don't think I don't see an acceptable alternative for any of those teams. Uh, Maryland has a very strong record in the best conference in the country, the deepest conference in the country, the Big Ten. But the the schedule has been curiously kind to them, as kind as the Big Ten schedule can be. With the way the games have broken, they still have only played – and for a lot of teams, this is a lot, but in the Big Ten, it's not very many. 11 games against quad one opponents. Now, compare that to Michigan State, which has played 14 
or Ohio State, which has played 13, or Michigan, which has played 15. So you can see that the way the schedule broke has, has been a little bit kind to the Terps. And the way it's worked out is that they have not lost any games that one would call unforgivable. They, they, all five of their losses have been against upper quadrant, upper half of, the, of quad one, the best games. They've got all five of their losses contained in that group, but they also only have two wins in that group. And so to get a one seed, they have to buff up that, that number there, that upper, upper half of quad one, the toughest games, the ones that the committee's going to look at and say, these are serious teams here. Those are the ones that, uh, that Maryland has to win more of. Now, they have, their schedule down the stretch is not kind. Uh, they play, uh, uh, they'll play a, a, a series of games in which they have to be really good to win. Michigan, Michigan State, they have both of them. And so they'll, 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 have, to, they'll have to, if they win and, and they are, remain in this conversation, then they'll, they'll, then they'll have the numbers to support it. Uh, you, look at, you look at Duke, and even before they fell on the road to Wake Forest, they still hadn't, you know, they hadn't produced the kind of numbers. They only have four quad one wins, for instance. They still have the Stephen F. Austin loss, which although Stephen F. Austin is on course to make the tournament, they, uh, they have to win their automatic bid like anybody else, but they're at least on course to be the number one seed in the Southland tournament. So the loss isn't horrible, but it's still a quad three loss. So that's out there. And I have Dayton pr- proposed to me, and I heard some, some guys I really respect discussing them as, as, a, as a one seed candidate vis-a-vis San Diego State. And I think if you're looking at the two of them and, and saying, well, you know, Dayton has four quad one wins and six quad twos, uh, and San Diego State has a quad three loss, so Dayton is ahead, I think that's like – you know, just like you talk about flyby analysis. I mean, you're like basically just cruising over in your jet and looking down and saying, <laughs> "Yeah, the crops look good." I mean, you're not you're not paying attention to what's in what's actually been planted. And and you look at Dayton and they're terrific, but they have played two games that are on that are in the upper part of Division One in the in the, that would be seated somewhere between one and the five or six line, what would basically be a top 25 team? They played two such games. They lost them both. So now hold us. Are we going to make a number one seed out of a team that lost its two most difficult games? Right. I mean, if everybody else steps back, okay, I got no problem. I mean, they've done what they are asked to do. They have won nearly all their games. But as long as San Diego State is sitting out there with wins over Iowa, BYU, and Creighton, and Creighton has, has just been fantastic. That win gets better every five minutes. Uh, and Gonzaga's out there uh, with the wins they have. They have, they have. Although BYU got them on the weekend, they also uh, won the home game between the two. They won huge at St. Mary's. And then there's the the road Arizona win, which is according to the net rankings a top ten win. Uh, there's a neutral court win over Oregon, which is one of the best teams in the Pac-12 and certainly one of the top 25 in the country. So they've got real wins there. And so, like I said, if if Gonzaga and San Diego State take another step back, then I have no problem putting Dayton on the one line. But there's no way you can justify me to me today the Flyers over those two teams. Love this insight. This is what the man does. He's in the 
uh, Basketball Writers Hall of Fame for covering this sport. Uh, and so we love we love all these different debates. All right, so a good one on the on the positive for you. Give me a team right now that fascinates you. Give me uh, and, and it, you know you laid out there about uh, Dayton, San Diego State, and those we don't hear as much about. This can be anybody. This can be any team right now as we head to March that you are really looking forward to. How good are these guys? And, and maybe you got other reasons why they really intrigue you. Give me that team, please. How can it not be Duke? How can the answer be anybody but them? <laughs> they, they, I mean, you look at it, and of course they have the pedigree of 40 years for, uh, of Mike Krzyzewski and what he's accomplished, uh, five national championships. I believe it's a dozen Final Fours right now, chasing, uh, chasing the next one and, and continuing to achieve at a high level. But, and, they, and they have the Florida State win at home, of course, and they beat Kansas on a neutral floor back in November, and they went to Michigan State and won. And so they've got these significant wins, a lot of them from earlier in the year. Now, to me, that doesn't mean that you're not great or that you're not having a great season. Some people think that the only wins that matter are the ones you won last week. That's not, that's not me. I, I believe that's right. nonsense. It's a, you know, this is the 2019-20 season, so any game you won in that season counts. However, they have lost twice in the last week to teams that are uh, either outside the tournament. Uh, with Wake Forest has zero chance of making the tournament unless they win the ACC's automatic bid. And NC State, which has been fluctuating you know, in and out of, uh, of projected brackets from here to eternity. So, uh, that's, you know, so those two teams are not the kind of teams that you expect a powerful Duke team to lose to. So what are, what are the Blue Devils now? What, you know, what can they be? What can they become? Can they still be great? I, I, I don't think the team that beat Kansas in November and, and, and drilled Michigan State on their home floor doesn't have the capacity to be great. But uh, they have to find a consistency in their rotation that has never been there this year. They, uh, Mike Krzyzewski reaches for a guy and sends him in the game, and there are certain guys he just does not know what he's going to get that night. And that's hard to coach, and it's hard to win with that, but it's not impossible that those guys could all of a sudden get, it, get a clue or get the confidence or whatever it is and go out there and play five, six games in a row that are high level. So that's, that's, that's what fascinates me about Duke. And you know, what the added level of fascination is that there are, you know, the Blue Devils have their ardent fans, and there are lots of them. And then they have their ardent detractors, and That's there are right. lots more of those. That's right. And, and so that makes it fun. Well, and it's, like, it's not unlike the New York Yankees uh, in that regard or the Dallas Cowboys. They may have more that hate them than actually root for them. So you yeah. got to have some of that. Um, and, and the the wake loss, uh, which again, having seen, I, I didn't see a lot of it. I saw the end. I've seen the highlights. The wake loss was puzzling for a couple of reasons for Duke because the NC State game should have been a wake up call from late last week, and this was a game they had in hand in the final minute and let Wake, a bad team, an eleven and fifteen team, uh, sneak in, get the game tied, and eventually beat them in double overtime. That uh, yeah, fascinating. I think it's scary right now in the one and done for Duke, uh, just because we've now seen two teams that are not going to be in the NCAA tournament demonstrate one of them we can beat them decisively, and the other one they couldn't put them away. So I'm uh, I'm agreeing with you on that. You look at the 
Carolina game as well. Yeah. I mean, that was one that broke their way, and they showed the resiliency necessary to win it. But they also were very vulnerable in that game. They're 12th in the nation in defensive efficiency. I've never bought this as a, as a significant defensive team. The numbers are what they are, and so uh, they are capable of significant defensive performances. But I think that they have shown a vulnerability yep. uh, defensively that, that is problematic for them. And that, they, that can come from a lot of, uh, of reasons. It can come from uh, operating your offense poorly. If you operate your offense poorly, you can make your defense more vulnerable. But whatever ingredient you think it is, it, they, have not, they, they have not been an overwhelmingly significant defensive team. And I think that that, that is p- partly what holds them back. All right, there you go. More uh, here from Mike DeCourcy. Read him at the Sporting News. Follow him at TSN Mike for the Sporting News at TSN Mike. And again, he is uh, blogging the bracket and giving bracket analysis for Fox Sports and their coverage of college basketball, as well as working Big Ten Network uh, coverage uh, of college hoops, as he's done for many, many years now. So the Big Ten right now, you have projected with 10 of the 14 teams to be in. Uh, All right, so I'm going to ask it this way right now. Which conference is maybe getting too much love? Which which conference is maybe overrated? And which one are we not talking about enough? I mean, the natural inclination would be maybe we're talking too much about the Big Ten, but uh, that's me, your opinion here. Are we talking about one too much? And are we talking about one conference not enough? You know, I think for me, it's it's how a league is talked about. I, it, there, there is a backlash against the Big Ten because my bracket and because other uh, brackets that have been around even longer than you know, much longer than mine, have placed them in the ten range for a lot of the year. In some cases, uh, I think we've all bled over to eleven. Uh, we're all away from that now because Minnesota and Purdue have both retreated to the five hundred mark. But that because of that, there's been a backlash. And I don't think that people have, who don't follow the league on a regular basis understand what it is that makes this league uncommon, what it, makes, what it is that makes it special. And, and, and just look at, well, they don't have any teams in the top two, three lines other than Maryland now of, the, of projected brackets. So, you know, they don't have very many top ten teams. What makes the Big Ten different and, and, and remarkable is the depth of the conference. It, it, there's never been a league quite like this for a, a, a number of reasons. And when I say that, people get really angry. What do you mean there's never been a league like this? The Big East had three Final Four teams in 1985, and they had 11 teams in the tournament in 2011. So how could you say there, there's never been a league like this? And I'm saying, what does that mean? Like this, not the best there's never been a league like this. Well, what does that mean? Well, if people who read my column about this understood that like this meant, first of all, that out of 14 teams, which is a bigger conference than we had back in the day in the 80s when the Big East got uh, three teams to the Final Four, out of 14 teams, they have 12 that are still somewhat in contention. At least the last two are somewhat in contention. They would have to now pretty much win out to make it. But if they did that, they would be in position to make it. If you look at the Ken Palm rankings, you're looking at 12 teams that are basically uh, in the top 40 or 45 of the, ne- of, of the Ken Palm rankings. Uh, Minnesota is only 500, but they're 31st. Uh, it shows you 
what these teams are capable of in terms of actual basketball power. That's what that's what Ken Palm does. He doesn't measure wins and losses so much as you know what are you capable of doing in, 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 on a on a possession to per possession game to game basis. And those two, two teams, although like I said, I, no one will argue for them to make the tournament unless they either win the automatic bid or pretty much win out and put their records in a position where they'll deserve it. But those two teams plus the other 10 that are in position to make it all put you in a, in a bad spot on a nightly basis, especially if you go into their gym. The Big, the Big 10's led the, lead, the nation in, in uh, attendance for, I think, 40 years now, every year. So, I mean, almost every gym you're going into is crowded and loud. Yep. difficult to play. And so and then the third item of this is that you're playing 20 league games now. That's a relatively new phenomenon for the power conference level. It, I, OVC did it back in I think 2004, 2005, something like that because they were struggling to get games. So why not just play more games between Murray State and and uh and and Belmont, and, you know, Tennessee whomever. Tech. Right, right. Yeah, I don't think Belmont was in the league, so I was searching for another name then. But anyway, uh, so you so you had that then. But now you're taking these 14 teams and you're putting them in a 20-game schedule. Well, when I covered the Big East in 1991, and seven out of nine made it, which is still the record for percentage of members in the tournament, uh, that what the difference was they only played 16 league games. They played eight. They were 18. You know, nine teams, eight. Eight games, uh, home and road, so double round robin, 16. So there are places to hide. I mean, if you didn't want to play a hard schedule out of the league, you could co-schedule uh, St. Francis, you know, both St. Francis's, Brooklyn and PA, and, uh, and, and, and ease things off a little bit that way. Well, now in the Big Ten, you're, basically you're locked in a room with 12 tough guys, and you don't get out until March. And then you know what? You, then you go and you're into a different room, and you, and you get out if you get knocked out in the Big Ten tournament, and then you go into a different room with 67 tough guys, and you don't get out of there until you lose. So that's what it's like, and that's why it's different than, than, there's ever, than any league there's ever been. And I don't think that that's being picked up on enough. All right. the, the, the challenge of having to survive in that. And I, I, you know, when, when I looked at the uh, bracket preview, the NCAA calls it, that they put out in early February – Basically, a month before Selection Sunday, here are our top 16 teams seated in four, you know, in four regions. And there were, I believe there was only, I think there were two Big Ten teams in that. I'm like, you know, they're not paying attention here. They're not paying attention to what those teams are going through. They're looking basically at who's winning the most games. Well, I mean, if you're in the ACC this year uh, and you're good, which Florida State and Duke and Louisville are all good, good to very good, maybe great, but if you can't win a bunch of games in that league at this level, you know, with, with this much ability, you're, you know, there's something wrong. I mean, there's all kinds of victories out there for you to gain. You should get almost all of them. Uh, that's, that's also true in the bottom half of the Big 12. You should win most of those games. They're not playing very well. Uh, that's not true in the Big 10 or the Big East. Those two leagues, I mean, they've really had a rough go of it in league play because they just don't get any nights off. 
Love it. Mike DeCourcy with me for another couple moments. Three Dog Thursday podcast. Is there a conference, whether you're talking uh, American, which you currently have three teams there, West Coast Conference, which you mentioned uh, St. Mary's, BYU, uh, round robining there with uh, with Gonzaga. Is there a conference we're not talking about enough that you think is 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 worthy of more conversation as we head to March? And if so, which one is it? Yeah, I think the West Coast Conference gets dismissed uh, too casually by by viewers that are oriented toward the power conferences. If you watch BYU, that team's, that, that's, that team's legit. Uh, since Yoli Childs came back, uh, it, he's, he's a really difficult big man to deal with. They have a bunch of shooters around him. I'm not yet sure how they will defend. You know, like how would they defend uh, night after night in the, AC, excuse me, in the uh, NCAA tournament? They're only 77th in the nation in defensive efficiency. That's what it looks like when I look out there, but they're also fourth in offense. So you're going to have to stop them to some extent, and that's not easy. It was easier when Childs was not playing. Now that he's back from injury and the uh, NCAA eligibility thing, uh, the paperwork thing that kept him out of, I think, 10 games, uh, that, you know, now that he's back from that, they are really, they're playing really well. I think they've lost. I think they've lost twice with him in the lineup, something like that. Uh, and I and and you know St. Mary's is still a really reliable team with very good players and a great coach. And I it, it, the the depth of the league is better. Those teams, those teams are true mid majors: Santa Clara, Pepperdine, uh, Pacific. I mean, they're they are mid major programs trying to compete with, especially at BYU and Gonzaga, teams that have high major advantages now. It's really hard for Santa Clara and, uh, and Pepperdine and Pacific to compete with those teams, uh, San Francisco as well. But they still give you a good go. I mean, if, if, if one of them happened by somehow, somehow to, to climb over the other three and steal the automatic bid, I mean, they wouldn't be seated very high, probably a 13 or a 14. But that team, whoever it might be, let's say it would be Pacific, they would give somebody a good game. I mean, they'd be a threat uh, to, to beat a, uh, a, a four seed that wasn't paying attention, say. Uh, that, they're, they're good enough to do that. So that, that's a league that is very vastly underrated, more, more, even more so by fans than, than national media uh, or the media across the nation. But I think it's, it's also underrated somewhat by the media as well. Interesting. And the San Francisco team hung with Gonzaga in both again. They were winning by double figures uh, against Gonzaga, for what it's worth, uh, at halftime and early on in the second half. And they uh, they were within a one-score game late in the game in San Francisco. So, yes, it is it is a little better league than maybe uh, we pay attention to beyond Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and, uh, and BYU. All three of those programs, by the way, in the top 32 of the net. We love sorting all of this out. Mike DeCourcy in the coming days. All right, a couple more because I know you got to go and we do as well that are that are fun ones. Right now on a typical weeknight, how many screens do you have going at once? Three, maybe four? Do you have two or three? I'm a one three? screen guy. Oh, I, you know, you I, I have a hard Ray, enough. I have asked you this question for so many years. It's 2020. You only have one screen. You don't have Here's at least two. Here's what I do. All right, go ahead. Here is what I do. Now, when I'm in when I'm in the Big Ten Network studio, we have eight screens. There we go. So understood. Uh, but I'm but I have a hard time really getting a feel for what's happening when there are multiple screens going on, especially when I'm at BTN. Then I usually have a game that I am 
being paid to monitor. So keeping track too much of another game. I mean, this Saturday was a real advantage in that regard because we only had one. We, we didn't have any games on our network on Saturday, and we only had one game in the conference to monitor. So I did that. But that, that meant there was no game during the uh, Baylor-Kansas window, so I got to see that. By the time we wrapped with the shows that I was working on, there was no game in the San Diego State window. Uh, and, then it, and then it was just, there, you know, I could go second half, second half, second half of Gonzaga, uh, of San Diego State, Gonzaga, and then Arizona. Uh, so all three of those games were lined up one after the other. So I was able to watch all of them one at a time. But when I'm at home on a weeknight, uh, what I generally do is I tape as many games as I can get onto my DVR, and then I watch them one after the other after the other so I can really watch. That's, it's harder for me to just watch multiple screens and really get a feel. I, I prefer to go one after the other after the other. saves me time because I can buzz through commercials and free throws. <laughs> and and I can right. see you know I can see a game in a in a fairly quick well and it's fair and it's fair I'm I'm having fun with you because in football yeah. obviously they stop over and over again and yeah, huddle so up it's and, yeah. and it's easier to keep track of three games at once because one's running a play here and one is stopped over here and one's on commercial here uh, obviously when you have three basketball games in progress at the same time where they're not stopping where the play is continuous it is tough to keep track of I just don't know how anybody. Uh, can really only one at a time keep up. You need extra eyeballs right now. We need extra screens. Now that my, right my now. trick, that's what the DBRs are made I for, understand. man. It's awesome. You, you can go smoke. through a second you half of a game. smoke coming out of the remote this time of year is what you're saying, yeah. scanning through second and Second half, man, Twenty less than 20 minutes, move on to the next. You can watch <laughs> eight, nine games in a night and really see the game. That's That's what, uh, that's what he does. All right. Uh, so you are about to cover, I believe it is now 32, 31 or 32 Final Four. I think this is number 31 in terms of coverage, and I have been to two others, uh, one as a non-working journalist and mm-hmm. the other as a fan. This will be, I believe, 20 for me in the same regard That's of 18, great. 18 covered, and I've been around you a bunch, and two of them as a fan. Uh, at different points in times and, and taking in the perspective for the audience because you have now seen it evolve the way that it has. We can't convey enough what the event has become the two weekends before the Final Four and then what the Final Four event itself has become inside of football stadiums now, Mike DeCourcy, instead of basketball arenas. It is truly, just give me a quick thought or two, it's truly become some scene the way it's evolved, and you've watched it evolve into what it's become. It's amazing. I argue with uh, other journalists all the time and some fans about this. I think that playing the game in football stadiums is exactly what they should be doing the, at, the, at the Final Four level. And, I, and, the, and the reason I say that is because, as I mentioned, I, I did go to my first one as a fan, 1987, and we were probably 20 rows from the top of the Superdome, somewhere in there. It was way up. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, I, and one, I had a fabulous time, one of the most memorable times of my life. I wouldn't trade that for much. I wouldn't give up my front row seat for that. But, I, <laughs> but, uh, but, I, but that weekend was very memorable. Um, and, and, and I believe that everybody that wants a shot at that should get a shot at that. And with the, with the 75,000 seats, 
it, it, more people over time get that shot. So that's the first thing. Second of all, I will tell you that I learned a lot about basketball sitting up there watching Bob Knight's motion offense work and being able to see, like, there were times when Steve Isle would be setting a screen on his left wing. I was in the end zone, so I'm looking to the right. And on the, on the Indiana left wing, you'd see Steve Isle setting a screen, and you'd see Steve Alford down around the baseline underneath the bucket, and you're like, here comes that three-pointer, because you, you could see the whole court. And, after, and this was back when Indiana had the low angle uh, in Assembly Hall for the TV cameras, and right. you were basically – you couldn't see anything there. So you had never no, no idea what was going on until the ball went in the bucket. So this really taught me about what worked for them. And, the, and then the third thing is now you also get the uh, big screen. Like back then there was like this pixelated thing at the opposite end of the dome. Right. It, you, it wasn't right. worth anything. Hey, now you go to, let me, let you go me to share, AT&T. Oh, God, yes. You go to all these yeah. stadiums. And, and the AT&T Stadium, right, you, you have almost a bigger screen there than the actual length of the court. In fact, I think it yes. is longer than the length of the court to watch it. Oh, from. it's longer than the length of the court. It's almost the length of the football yeah, field. Almost, yeah, and, then, and then the, yeah. uh, the last entry, the last thing I want to say about this, uh, TJ, is um, there's the fact that now if you put it in a basketball arena, the garden, let's say, the tickets would be astronomical. So there would be two, there would be, there would basically be nobody there but rich people, because even if you got your hands on a ticket, like ordinary Mike DeCourcy or TJ Reeves gets their hands on a ticket, you sit, you know, you look on StubHub and you say, okay, well, there's a year of tuition for my daughters, <laughs> my twin daughters at, you know, at, at Harvard, uh, or I can go to the game. So there's, so that you can't keep it. So that's, so, so doing this, I mean, there's still a secondary market and sometimes the tickets are still going to get high, but never as high right. as when there's right. less than fewer. a third oh, of, of what's available now. Uh, of course. It's a great point that you make that more are included. Inclusion. We love that word. There are more that are, that are included. And I was just laughing because you, I, I think I've told this at one point when you've been around, but I tell it all the time and maybe you don't know this story. I was at the 92 Final Four, which speaking of Indiana, uh, was Indiana and Duke, uh, as right. well as Cincinnati and Michigan in that Final Four in the Metrodome. And I was in the upper deck of the old Metrodome where the Twins would play, above where the baggies were in the outfield. And and Bobby Hurley and Chris Webber and Christian Leitner, and I'm trying to remember who else, Calbert Chaney, uh, you know, name another. They were, the, they were the size of my thumbnail. I could barely yeah. see them. And the only TV, the only TV was the center field scoreboard, as you mentioned, that was a pixelated scoreboard that would occasionally, occasionally show you a replay if you were fortunate enough to turn to the right and look in center field. It is, I mean, it is unreal what it now is in those stadiums with all the video, the humongous video boards and monitors, and the fact that the court is raised and the seats are not nearly as bad when you're up high. I agree. That's me saying it, but I, I echo what you're saying as well for this event in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, having been in there, I'm, I'm anxious to see what it will be for the hoops. I've been in there for the college football playoff championship game. I've been in there for the NFL working with the Buccaneers. It'll be similar right. to the other ones, but I'm interested to see what it'll be like because the other thing, Mike, I don't know if you've been in there, is these video boards are a ring up in the top of the stadium, so it'll be a little different there. You're going to crane your neck over and over and over again if you're in the in the stadium 
trying to see the video boards because they're all the way up in the top on a ring. It'll be different, but again, it's a lot better than what it used to be, and I'm with you. It's a lot better than in a tiny arena where far fewer people get to go and the tickets cost more. So there's good points made on that. Yeah, uh, I'm looking well. forward to it. It's my first trip to, to the stadium, uh, and you know, I've, been, I've been to lots of hoops at the Georgia Dome back in, the, in, yep. you know, in Final Fours and regionals and such. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that, getting a chance to come. You know, Atlanta is a very fine uh, Final Four site. Uh, I've been there for several of them. Uh, it's, you know, it's not the absolute best, uh, but it's better than having to get on a, you know, get in a bus and drive for four hours. And the weather should be excellent, and, and the people should be very accommodating, so I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, we got a break last year in Minnesota, as, as you know, but I don't know how much the audience knows this, that the weekend we were there was kind of the lull for winter. We actually got like 50s. <laughs> uh, it was like 50 for the Saturday semifinal games, which is like almost unheard of. They had had a February where they had had four feet of snow the, like the three days after we left like wednesday yes. thursday friday they got like another foot mike yes. of snow yes. after we left so we got a break on the weather in minnesota last year we really did it was awesome it uh, was for awesome. that and we'll see if it is the way uh in atlanta here for this go around what a treat for me to have you if you'll let me bother you again once more i may do that in march but you let me bother you here uh again we'll see you this is airing midweek and for the weekend when are we seeing you again on the big 10 network etc when are you up again yes uh i will be on btn we have a uh uh, t- 11.30 a.m. pregame show on Saturday, uh, this Saturday, and then sa- Sunday night we'll have Big Ten basketball and beyond, and I'll be on halftime and postgame shows and such throughout the day on Saturday and Sunday, and I will be uh, on, I will, you'll, you'll see me on various pre- and postgame shows on, on FS1 relative to Big Ten, Pac-12, and Big East basketball. Love that. Follow him at TSN Mike as well on social media on Twitter. He's a great follow there. He is also doing the brackets uh, for Fox Sports uh, as well. Those coming out on Monday won't be long now. We're inside of three weeks to Selection Sunday, by the way. Hello. So get ready for all of that to be coming forward. Mike DeCourcy, a treat to have you on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Thank you, sir. And here we go with March. I'll look forward to it. Thanks very much, TJ. We had to do this one more time in the month of February before the calendar flips to March. Welcome back, Colby Dant of the College Experience Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, which we're affiliated with. Colby is all over it, whether it's college football or now college basketball. Uh, does a fantastic job on that podcast. And in fact, on sportsgamblingpodcast.com, they pick every college game, including with some locks, night in and night out. So the blur continues. February's almost done. Good to have you back after a couple of weeks. How are things, Colby? Hey, thanks for having me back. Things are great. We're entering, you know, maybe the best time of the year. So, you know, life's good, man. How about yourself? (laughs) No doubt. Uh, I'm anxious for March to get here as well. And we got kind of like a taste of March last Saturday where we saw Kansas win at Baylor, stopping their 23-game win streak. We saw Hello UNLV stop the 26-0 start by San Diego State, beating them in San Diego at the Viejas Arena 
uh, knocking them off. And then to finish it off, BYU, I love them for Three Dog Thursday purposes, getting points at home. They outright won the game with Gonzaga, who had won 19 games in a row dating back to December. We saw one, two, three humongous losing streak or winning streaks uh, uh, come to an end. It was almost like March for that for that Saturday last Saturday. Yeah, buckle up, man, buckle up. I mean, all those games are fantastic. Even that Arizona Oregon game, I know that wasn't oh. a huge upset, but just great basketball, great game. I mean, this year's going to be chaos. Right? I and mean, we are, are you of the same opinion? That and I we am? were talking earlier with Brian Edwards about this from uh, MajorWager.com. There's not a prohibitive team. You could maybe say Kansas. You could maybe say Kentucky, you know, one of the teams that we know. But Duke looked vulnerable with the loss to Wake Forest earlier in the week. I, I don't know that there is a prohibitive team, and you could make the argument of about 10. Brian said maybe as many as 12 teams that could win the national title. Colby, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I would even say you could even stretch it a little bigger. Let the right team get hot at the right time. Obviously, no one's. I don't think many people are talking about Kentucky or Villanova, but I think they're just as dangerous as any. I, mean, I think maybe more people are waking up to Kentucky, but uh, just as dangerous as any. And then, like, you're talking about winning five, six games. I mean, I'm watching LSU right now. They're getting killed by Florida, but LSU was hot earlier in the year. If they, they have the talent, if they got hot, I couldn't. I'm not going to sit there and say that, they're going to win it all, but I would not be shocked talent-wise if they went to the national championship. You know what I mean? So, put it together. Yeah, gonna... See if they can put it together. Yeah. Um, all right, so speaking of uh, of streaks, uh, as I just made mention of, so San Diego State t- took a loss after a 26-0 and start. In my mind, I, I, I repeatedly say this uh, year after year when we get to the stretch run and a team is undefeated. It is not the worst thing in the world that you lose a game. You don't set out to lose, but it's not the worst thing in the world, I don't think, because all of us then leave it alone. The talking heads, the media, we're no longer asking your team about it. Where do you come down on that? Uh, Does it help San Diego State that we're done talking about perfect season, undefeated season? What do you say, Colby Dent? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I covered it on the College Experience podcast that saying you know for the past month or so that they need to drop a game now obviously you, sh- you shouldn't like set out like you said to drop the game but it takes the monkey off your back and then also like i'm of the opinion they're still a one seed somehow i thought it was going to knock them to a two based off projections i'm almost of the opinion if, if they beat nevada at nevada then it might be helpful if they don't even win them the mountain west tournament so I mean, I think it's it's, it's perfect coming in because I, I think they want a not they don't want this, but I, I, from a from a strategy standpoint, I would think the second seed in the West would playing basketball in L.A. You get half your crowd there, right? I would think that you also are going to probably be lined up in the same bracket as Gonzaga, which I think is more vulnerable than some of the other teams like Kansas or Baylor. So I think there's a lot of logic that says this is a great angle for them now obviously i know that they're not going to purposely lose right but if i think you're saying if wouldn't be the worst thing in the world yeah and uh, to me you take you take another like i said take another loss in the in the mountain west championship or the mountain west conference tournament you know then then you can come down more on your players you get refocused and you get into this thing as a two seed maybe i mean at that point it might even be a three seed i don't know but i mean 
I'm surprised that they're still a one. Were you surprised that they were a still little a bit, one after a little bit? Yes. And and here's the biggest key because uh, again, if you're not the one seed, let's say in the East, the one seed in the East is going to end up having to play in Madison Square Garden, maybe against somebody like Duke or somebody like Villanova, for example. That's a de facto home game for one of those. And you're coming all the way East if you're San Diego State or Gonzaga or one of those. So good luck if you're the two seed we're talking about, or even if you're the one seed in the East. Good luck if that's your scenario as opposed to playing in the West. So it's a good point that you make about the Aztecs and what might happen with them. All right, speaking of what might happen, uh, Colby has looked over the Thursday slate. We have the lines for Thursday. You have a Pac-12 game that stood out to you a little bit. You said, hey, if you pressed me for a game, it is which game in the Pac-12 that you like? Yeah, I mean, look, Thursday's slate was tough to find a dog, but I will say if there was one, it would be the California Golden Bears on the money line to beat Colorado. Mark Fox got this team playing a lot better the second half of the season, um, especially at home. I feel like they've been playing better at home. And then uh, Colorado's been – they, they've already – they're a shoe in to make the tournament. Now, I know yesterday they're still playing for their seeding and, and, and Pac-12 conference seeding, but this team has been known – they're a weird team. They've lost games to, to Northern Iowa. They've lost games to uh, Oregon State. So I would not be shocked if uh, if California was to win this on the money line. I really like, if you follow the, the Golden Bear basketball program, they got a guard named Matt Bradley who's putting up points. I, I like what Mark Fox is doing in the second half of the season. Well, and again, they lost to Colorado only by six in Boulder earlier in the year in early February. So this is a rematch situation for them. And again, unbeknownst to you, Brian Edwards was already talking earlier on Three Dog Thursday. Watch out for the Utah-Colorado line, I'm sorry, Utah-Cal line on Saturday. We don't know the results of the midweek games with Utah playing at Stanford at the time. We're taping Three Dog Thursday. We obviously don't know the result of the game that Colby is is projecting here with uh, Cal hosting Colorado. But if Cal is a home underdog against Utah, Utah has been blown away over and over and over again as a road team. So just be mindful of that. Pay attention to that. That's what Brian Edwards was saying earlier in the podcast. You may have two chances to get the Cal Bears, as Colby likes them on Thursday, and Brian Edwards may like them as a dog at home with Utah on Saturday night. So speaking of Saturday, uh, Colby Dant, College Experience Podcast, what do you like for an underdog for Saturday? They're more attractive to you. Give me one. I'm going to take you to Clemson, South Carolina, and this will fit in with what Ooh. the ACC has been doing Ooh. all year. Look, right now we think, oh, Duke's lost by 22 to NC State, and then they lost in double overtime to uh, to Wake Forest, uh, or, or overtime, whatever that was. That's correct, but double OT, correct. We're, we're sitting there, we're thinking, oh, Florida State's running away with this. This ACC year, not only has the conference been not up to par, but also it's been very unpredictable. I got Florida State coming into Clemson and taking a loss. I think Ooh. Clemson, if you, they've gotten up a few times this year and played some good ball. So, so I, I like them. I, I don't know what that line is, but I'm imagining it would be probably seven, eight, nine points maybe. Probably something like that. And FSU won earlier in the week over Louisville. And again, they're kind of in the driver's seat right now to be the one seed in the ACC tournament. Clemson uh, scratching and clawing currently eight and nine in the conference. So let's see. Let's see what that looks like. That is a serious, hairy bow wow 
uh, underdog uh, in the ACC. And then potentially one more, we are wondering uh, about Marquette and whether they are going to be an underdog or not against Seton Hall, who leads the Big East right now. Again, we don't have access to the line. Uh, it may be a situation where it's a pick game or Marquette may be favored, but you're saying pay attention to Marquette if they are an underdog with Seton Hall Saturday afternoon in Milwaukee, right? Yeah, I mean, I love that game. Uh, you know, I, but last time I was on your show, I, I, I think I took North Carolina. They ended up being a, uh, they ended up being the favorite. So I'm, I, I think there's a strong shot that Marquette ends up being the favorite. But I like Marquette to win this game. They're, they're great at home as opposed to on the road. And, uh, but since I think they're going to be a favorite, I'm going to take you elsewhere. All right, I'm take you to. To Knoxville, Tennessee. Now, I know this Florida LSU game is on right now. I don't know who's going to win this thing. Right. But I would, I would think regardless, Florida would be favored in Knoxville. And this Tennessee team, Rick Barnes has got them playing better basketball. We saw them against Auburn. You know, I know that I know that they're, I think they're struggling right now against Arkansas. So there's a chance they're coming off of a, a road loss at Arkansas. Come back to Knoxville. I like them to knock off their rivals on the money line. How about that? All right, and again, the Florida result with LSU will be interesting. We don't have that right now at the time that we're taping. Tennessee and Arkansas also simultaneously playing, but you're saying be aware if Tennessee is the home doggy that you might like them against those Florida Gators late in the year. And again, Florida battling for a potential buy in the SEC tournament. Uh, you've got teams like Arkansas, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Alabama that are all vying for, for to maybe get into that four spot or maybe get into the NCAA tournament. Probably, probably two spots for Florida, Alabama, Mississippi State, South Carolina, Arkansas, that group that's behind Kentucky, Auburn, and LSU. Let's see how it plays out. Uh, Gators and Vols will be interesting on Saturday. Uh, in regard to that one. All right, the College Experience is the name of the podcast. Tell them more about it, Colby Dan, and how they hear more about what they're hearing about here on Three Dog Thursday. Uh, thank you. Uh, the College Experience podcast, check us out. We handicap every single college football, college basketball, Division One basketball game. That means it could be <laughs> Coppin State and Maryland Eastern Shore, and we're handicapping it. But we also release our daily locks. Uh, on our spreadsheet. You can check us out at sportsgamblingpodcast.com or if you follow us on Twitter, we release it every single day. We've been doing this for years. We've never been under 500 on our locks and our and picking every game. So check us out. I think you'll be impressed by our by, by what we cover and what, what we do. Well, I'm impressed always having Colby Dan on here to break it down. So very interesting underdogs with Cal on Thursday. Likes Clemson as an outright woo! outright win against Florida State and then he says pay attention for Marquette are they a home dog when the line comes out with Seton Hall on Saturday afternoon and and then he also loves Tennessee as a potential home dog against the Florida Gators on Saturday we'll see if those are underdog situations or not Hey, guess what? It's almost March, my friend. When we talk to you again, uh, promise me I get you to pop back on when we get to championship week in the NCAA tournament. It'll be March. It's March before we know it, sir. I uh, know. It's just a great time of year. And like I said, this year is so much chaos. You know, I, I'm expecting uh, you know a bunch of bid stealers in the conference tournament. So I'm looking forward to to watching it, looking forward to hopping on. And I got to get you to hop on one, on, our, on the college experience at some point here. Yes, we definitely need to be on there. The Sports Gambling Podcast Network has brought us together. And I love the insight of Colby Dant 
Uh, follow him at the Colby D uh, on Twitter as well, and follow the College Experience on Twitter uh, as well about their show. Great stuff here. Good luck with your underdogs. Look forward to talking with you more as the best month of the year rolls in in the month of March. Thank you, Colby. Thanks for having me. Have a good one, guys, and buckle up. And that will do it for this edition of Three Dog Thursday. My thanks again to all of our guests that were with us all the way back at the beginning of the show. Brian Edwards, MajorWager.com, and Vegas Insider with his underdogs for the weekend. Loves Arizona State on Thursday night. And then looking ahead to a couple of underdogs on the weekend as well. A couple of interesting ones uh, with how things are going to play out on Saturday. Mike DeCourcy, the Hall of Fame writer with the Sporting News and also the Big Ten Network. Watch him for the Big Ten coverage. Again, right now he's projecting the Big Ten with 10 teams in the NCAA tournament. And he talked a lot about how strong that conference uh, has looked so far this season, uh, as, as well as a couple of the others. The Big East is another one that looks like a strong conference this year. So follow him at TSN Mike for the sporting news. For Mike DeCourcy, we thank him for popping on Three Dog Thursday for the first time in this college basketball season. Colby Dant just with me there at the end of the show. Again, the College Experience is the name of his podcast as we cross-promote. Check out Colby on the Sports Gambling Podcast network of shows with the College Experience with his predictions. And again, he's calling an outright up set of Florida State on Saturday as we preview for the weekend. Don't know the line as of yet, but the Seminoles should be at least like a five-point favorite, something like that at Clemson, maybe more, maybe seven or eight points uh, for that matchup. Again, I love that Conference USA game Thursday night with Louisiana Tech at Western Kentucky getting a point or a point and a half for Thursday. And again, on Saturday, I'll take Providence at Villanova. Villanova's not been very good as a home favorite. I'll take Providence trying to make a late-season run in the Big East as uh, as one of my underdogs. Uh, love that one. And you know, a couple of other interesting games. Is Duke going to be getting points against Virginia? They might very well be getting a point or two. I like the Dukies to knock off the defending national champs to bounce back from that double overtime loss. So let's pay attention if Duke is an underdog as well uh, for this weekend. All right, so there you go. Some underdog talk and some conversation throughout the show. A reminder to subscribe however you found the show uh, via a social media link or the promotion through the Sports Gambling Podcast uh, Network and sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, subscribe away. Podcasts will come automatically to you here as Three Dog Thursday. For now, that will do it. Enjoy all the games. Enjoy the final weekend of February. It'll be March on Sunday, and we're ready for the March to Madness that is coming up now over the course of the next four weekends. After this weekend, we get four tremendous weekends with all of the action heading to the Final Four in Atlanta. Cannot wait for all of the games. Thank you for being with me. Enjoy the college hoops. It's all part of Three Dog Thursday. Bye.